This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. time on after the gold rush this LMFM series looking at a period of transition for me the football in the mid 2000s as Sean Boylan departed to be replaced by Eamon Barry and then Colm Coyle if you've missed the first two episodes so far you can go back and listen to them on lmfm.ie the LMFM app or wherever you get your podcasts if you search LMFM you'll see them there part one of this series dealt with Sean Boylan's final year in charge in 2005 Anthony Moyles and Brian Farrell join me to discuss that one Part 2, which was split into two parts, one of which was the off-the-field stuff with Eamon Barry and the county board. That was uh, Colin Keyes who joined me for that particular part. And then part 2 of episode 2, it was Kevin Riley and Brian Farr looking back at the on-field stuff from 2006. In this episode, we're going to be speaking to Anthony Moyles and Keen Ward about Colin Coyle's time in charge. Very contrasting seasons for Colin Coyle. As you'll see, this episode is called Coyle's Royal Roller Coaster, and that's very much what it was for me over those two seasons. Just to flick back last week to the episode talking about the Ardboyne Accord, a couple of people were on to me asking me about that one, and what would it be called if it was held somewhere other than the Ardboyne? Well, a few suggestions uh, that came to mind. The Newgrange Negotiation the old Darnley Detente a bit of a fancy one there and the County Club Concord well the County Club isn't a hotel but you know we let that one slide the other one that was mentioned was the Beach Mount Bilateral now anyone here who doesn't remember the Beach Mount maybe ask your parents uh, it's uh, been quite a while since the Beach Mount was on the go but for those of us of a certain vintage it was uh, probably where we first cut our teeth on the social side of things uh, queuing up trying to remember our fall state of births and so on so a few options there to replace the Ardboyne Accord had that meeting been held somewhere else but enough of that nonsense now let's get down to part three of this series a little bit longer this one of course because we had to cover two seasons and a lot went on over those two years of Colm Coyle's tenure we do hope you enjoy it and here is Anthony Moyles and Keen Ward so lads I know you both had a chance to listen to Kevin Riley and, and Brian Farris from last weekend looking at looking back on 06 uh, we don't need to go into it in a, in a massive amount of detail again but Keen, was there anything that, that jumped out for you from listening back any memories that were, were jogged my main memory is that the O'Byrne Cup went missing after me he'd won it so I don't know if remember or is that right <laughs> that's right <laughs> but I think I, that, that was actually a funny one because after the after the O'Byrne Cup was won I think the lads obviously as you do went out for a few points and I think um, Dahi Regan was captain um, of the team for, for the game or whatever. And um, so they obviously were in Ryan's or whatever in, in the town. And uh, the lads were like, ask Goldie, go out and get the cup or whatever. 
So um, he was like, ah, oh, no, no. Like, obviously loving it, but still trying to trying to play there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. then we got the cup anyway and went in. You and mean then, this yeah, cup? He had a few drinks. <laughs> and, yeah. And, uh, and uh, eventually, I don't know what happened, but the, the cup was forgotten or somebody lifted the cup. And uh, so the lads went home anyway and there was no sign of the cup. And we were training on the Tuesday night in Walterstown and there was no sign of the, no sign of the cup. Scotty didn't have the cup and was like... I don't know. I don't know how he was going to explain his way out of it, but Eamon Barry, of course, being a guard, had had gotten the tip off um, from from Navan Garda Station. Apparently, the cup was found hanging uh, up near Navan Hospital. You know, from one of the one of the, the lighting poles or something <laughs> on the bars, and the cops, uh, the local cops, obviously brought it in and had it safely. So Eamon there had this set up then for training and was basically saying, "Oh, you know." Uh, Oh yeah, do you have you have the cup there? Did you bring it with you to train or whatever? And so he was like, "Oh yeah, I left at home. I'll bring it. I'll bring it up uh, Thursday or whatever." And he was coming down. Going, what am I going to do here? So eventually, Eamon had to let the cat out of the bag. But he, uh, he knew about it all along. So well, he's got a great laugh out of that. And anyway. uh, yeah, <laughs> I can only imagine how poor El Scaldi must have been feeling that night. He must have been. Uh, he must have been feeling the pressure. Thinking he was in a bit of bother, but a uh, better man than Eamon to to string him along. And so, Keen, was there anything else that, that the lad said that kind of, you know, came back to you after you, you heard, like, oh, it's a, it's a good few years ago now, but I'm sure there would have been certain other memories that would have come back to you after you listened to the lads discussing that year? Brian um, had mentioned, I suppose, just, um, I suppose at times there was maybe, um, what we say, look, maybe a bit of communication missing between management and players on occasion. And I suppose I can kind of um, relate to that a little bit. Um, I suppose it's funny that the, the big controversy was about um, Brian and Joe coming off in that game. I suppose I was one of the subs who came on for the boys. So I'd be saying it strengthened the team anyway when they made that move. But um, that wasn't what the boys would feel like. Uh, but look, I suppose I came on in that game. And then the, I think the next match after that was a way to go away. And I had come on in that game. And then I wasn't on the match day 24 to travel to Galway the following weekend or for, for that match. And then the final uh, game was against Derry and I started that match. So I suppose it was there was no real sort of um, communication between being in the team. And I think that was possibly my that was my first um, inter-county game was coming on against Kildare and that sort of in, in the league game. And then to not be on the squad the following week after all the controversy that there was with those substitutions, I suppose, maybe you start to think um, as a young player, maybe you're kind of feeling a bit of pressure in that regard, a little bit of um, little bit of doubt or whatever. And then I suppose the next week, then you're just back starting in the team and you're maybe not prepared for that either. So there was occasions, I think, where that maybe uh, didn't help things. But overall, the lads, I think, made, made the point and it was a good point that there was loads and loads of different players tried and there was loads of players came through um, and developed from the experience and they maybe wouldn't have gotten that opportunity because I think the panel for a number of years had been fairly static. Sean was probably maybe slower to, to introduce new players and there was definitely, look, there was definitely a load of players in the, that had probably been been involved through Sean's loyalty and it, that has to be, I suppose, understood as well. You know, when players deliver for a manager it's always very hard for a manager to make the call to, to move them on but there was definitely players in the final few years for Sean that weren't at the level they were previously and it did need it did need a freshening up and possibly Eamon maybe brought in or tried to do a little bit too much in his first season but 
maybe that window had kind of the window for a smoother transition maybe had passed and look I suppose Anthony was involved in in more of those years than I was so he might have a, a greater insight into that but I think that there were there were definitely a lot of very positive things but look obviously with everything there's each individual player on the squad can probably nitpick about their own individual experiences where things maybe didn't go their way. Mm. What about you Anthony was starting to jump out from, from listening to the two lads talking about that year? Um, I think the column keys actual, uh, you know, the, the 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 fact that I think there was so much stuff which you forget now that was going on obviously off the field. Um, you know, Eamon, he he didn't shirk, I suppose, uh, controversy, and like I mean, it just started from the get go and just repeated and repeated. Like I completely forgot, for example, Andy McIntyre was on a ticket, but I remember now because um, obviously myself and Andy were working together. Um, in the same company and, and, and it's funny you know uh, it, it it I never would have put Andy with Eamon or Eamon with Andy um, and uh, you know it's kind of I suppose the, the whole thing that happened with Finton and with all of that and the stepping back and you know it's just amazing it, it, you know for a fella who waited so long to get his opportunity to go in then um you know, and you think when you got your opportunity, you just keep the head down and you just say, right, look, you know, I'm going to kind of bed myself in here and I'm going to probably toe the line, shall we say, a little bit. And then once I get some modicum of success, I'll then really start to stick my chest out a bit or at least find out where your friends and enemies are within the whole group um, and build a base. But look, that's not Eamon's way. Um, you know, from, from, from what I remember of Eamon, um, and my first experiences with Eamon was actually with St. Paul's because he came out and helped us out the year we won the championship. Um, Eamon was, and I think Keane would probably agree, and a lot of the lads, and even, the, the, you know, Farlow and Kevin were speaking about it. Eamon had a, a very uh, a cert, certain way of coaching. He, he was a very good coach. He had, he had his own ideas um, on games. I remember Mark Crampton telling me, that uh, he, 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 the, the, there used to be a kind of an ongoing uh, jest with Eamon in, in, I think, Fitzgibbon Street. He was in the, 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 the Garda station, that his locker was basically full of just scribbles of, of you know, different training regimes and different uh, uh, tactics and different kind of coaching things and different, you know, all these different uh, uh, set plays and all this different stuff. And he was big into that. Like he was, you know, I, I spoke to Richie Keeley about it. He was one of the first to kind of bring in the whole idea of a set play, a, a free kick or a sideline you know that it was a, a time to retain the ball rather than just kicking it as far as you could basically which was the mm. which was the kind of the, 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 the situation then and then as far as kind of you know you know as he, as he, as he, as you mentioned the other night the whole idea of shooting from within the D which essentially is what Dublin do and all the good yeah. teams do now you shoot from a scoring area you know your, your, your chances of scoring from the sideline are obviously lessened than shooting from 21 yards out in front of the post so but I think the issue was and it was very much that was that Eamon was a very very good coach but he wasn't the best manager um, and his man management and indeed his collective management probably lacked but like I mean there was probably plenty of other lads at the time uh, who, who in in the sense that it lacked and, and it's 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 massively different to now mm. you know there was plenty of coaches who myself and Keane and managers pl- played under but after uh, and, and since who would have felt that 
talking to players would be, you know, meaning that you're actually giving players power. Um, and as a matter of fact, you keep, you know, you treat players like mushrooms, you keep them in the dark, you know, and you just let them do what they have to do kind of thing. So, you know, Eamon wasn't on his own. When you look back at them now, you kind of go, oh, but certainly there was a couple of fractious moments. I remember a, a challenge match, Keen, I don't know if you remember that, when we played in Ratos against Mayo, uh, where it kind of all blew up with Graham. That was, that was a, that was a pretty, uh, let's say, a fiery day. <laughs> and it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't the only one. No, no. So, you know, I think I, the controversy, unfortunately for Eamon, I was vice captain, so I spoke to Eamon a lot, actually. You know, he'd ring Nigel, and if he didn't get Nigel, he'd ring me. Um, and for a fella who was, you know, I think... I think if he got his chance again, I think he would probably do it differently. Um, I, 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 I would think he would. Um, he was probably harshly done by when you look back on everything. Um, you know, he probably should have got at least two to three years. And I think maybe if he had felt that, he might have been a bit more secure in his, in his position. And he might have probably communicated what he had intended to do and what his, his vision for the team was. Um, and indeed, his communication to players. Because as you say, like to, to have Keane coming on the game not being in a squad and then starting a game. That, that, that's absolutely, for a young lad, that just absolutely melts your brain. You don't know where you stand, you know. Mm. Um, and, and I think he wanted players to get through adversity. Um, and I think that was, was very much seen right from the first training session that we went back to. And it was like we were training with gazelles and we were all there with the, the bit of winter woolly on. Um, so it was... It was you know, uh, I think his I think his idea of of seeing who would step up was 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 had had founding. But at the same time, you were already dealing with guys who wanted to improve and who wanted to be the best and who wanted to play for me. So rather than asking them that question, it was well, what can I do to actually help you improve, and what can I do to help you improve within the team? Um, you know, guys who were obviously there who had stepped up had already proven that they wanted to go that extra bit and and show that extra commitment and become a county an inter-county footballer so um it was probably the wrong question to ask it was probably a club question um and i don't think you necessarily need to ask that an inter-county setup um you have to take the fact that if a guy is willing to give the commitment that he's willing to give in an inter-county setup um well then he's already ticked the box as far as someone who's actually saying no i'm, I'm willing to sacrifice here and then it's all about trying to get the best that you can get out of them mm. so um but look, it was it was it was definitely a uh, an interesting period, and it wasn't great for the likes of myself because you know you were seeing years just kind of wash away in front of you, uh, and it was just roll on to the next year, and you know essentially that's what we ended up having to do. Yeah, so you go into two thousand and seven, then as as we talked about on last week's pod with them, um, with Colin Keys on two lads, and um, particularly with the Colin Keys section, um, Eamon Barry doesn't get a second year, so Colin Coyle comes in with Tommy Dowd and Dudley Farrell, and you're into your third manager in three years after so long with, you know, Sean there 23 years at the helm and then this kind of upheaval that we talked about before. So again, I guess the same question as I started with the lads last week, uh, Keen, maybe starting with you, what did, what was different, let's say about the, about the Colin Coyle uh, regime at the outset, at least what, what did he change or what was different from what, what Eamon was doing? Well, I suppose I, I maybe had more, um, I had more conversations with Colin, so I had probably more of a, more of a personal um, interactions with Colin over over his time as manager, and 
certainly coming in at the start, I can remember that we were we were tied in with uh, with DCU and there was gym programs and testing and different things like that. We had done um, we had done that once at the very start of the year, I think, with Eamon, but I don't think it was followed up on again. Whereas this time with, with Colin, we, we did the testing and it seemed to be a, a kind of a thing that we were we were going to do on a regular basis and. Um, he had CS that CSM, which was set up in Simon's time, which Eric O'Reilly was looking after from the physiotherapy side and sort of looking after kind of we'll say um, prehabilitation and all of this type of stuff. So I think that um, Colm had definitely tried to bring in the sort of um, I suppose maybe the more scientific edge and maybe he maybe picked up certain things um, obviously through his time as a player under Sean where he had fantastic experience and then he had a year uh, managing Monaghan where I believe he was tied in with DCU so I suppose he had put a bit of a, a push on the strength and conditioning side of things but at the end of the day Colin was still very old school as well in terms of his um, demands on players and what he expected and he had very high standards and, and huge ambition for the team and you know there was no doubt in his mind that we were there to win all Ireland's and that was the way it was going to be and Again, look, there was there was the rough with the smooth on a personal level. I had plenty of ups and downs with Colin, um, particularly over the over the first year in two thousand and seven. Again, I was a young, immature um, person and and footballer coming into coming into an intercounty setup. I had loads and loads of things to learn and loads of things to develop. Um, and Colin was never ever shy about. Um, I suppose telling me those things, Anthony. I suppose that was uh, there was a lot of um, there was plenty of room for personal growth. We'll say. Well, you want you, you did want communication, so you got that. Yeah, yeah, I definitely got that. I got that. I definitely got plenty of stick anyway. But look, Colin would argue that that was what I needed, and look, maybe he was right. So, um, I, look, there there was definitely a, a very interesting year in two thousand and seven, um, which culminated in a, a very successful run through the qualifiers and. There was lots of very interesting things that happened throughout the year, and I got plenty of. I suppose I got my first exposure to probably maybe more consistent level of intercounty fair throughout the league, and mm. got a bit of exposure in championship football. So, quite it probably in the end it was quite a frustrating year for me on a personal level because I didn't get as much game time as I would have liked. I probably you know developed a huge amount from that year and learned learned an awful lot over the course of the season mm-hmm. um, and I think the team probably there was a lot of players who developed that year and the squad was really really strong going into I suppose future years because of the work that was done Yeah and Anthony looking through the league I mean as we talked about last week, Mead were relegated in Eamon Barry's uh, first and only year and, and very unlucky to be relegated in fairness but you're in Division 2B in 2007, so you draw your first game with Cavan and then beat Antrim, beat Sligo, beat Tipperary, beat Wicklow, beat Waterford comfortably and then lose to Wexford. We'll, uh, we'll be talking about them a little bit later on, I suspect. But you're in a league semi-final you, and just reading about the, the build-up to that game and Monaghan were actually favourites for that league semi-final uh, against Monaghan. Um, you win three ten to 10 points and then you're into a league final. So... Again, like like I mentioned there, the, the caliber of opposition probably in that division wasn't the strongest in the world. But you know, it must have been a big confidence boost to to get back into a, a national final, which you which you obviously won against Ross Common. So it must have been a, a nice start to the year to, to get that little confidence boost under your belt. And as Keen said, plenty of lads getting runs and Brian Farrell was shooting the lights out, I think, as well. So there was a bit of confidence in the team at that stage. Yeah, I think we were motoring well. Um 
I think the the Wexford game was 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 a, was a really strange one because um, it ended up being a, a kind of a uh, it was a great one for Coiler because it was a, it was the last game. I think we were already kind of maybe guaranteed, so we kind of went down. I'd say I probably with a bit of a a, a, a bad attitude. Um, I remember the game distinctly because I think <coughs> Matty Four got a goal and. Um, Coiler slowed down the video after and he showed me running back. Well, it wasn't running; I was jogging back, uh, and he just absolutely ripped me a new one in the in the in the, in the video session. Um, but we were all very, very, very lackluster in the game, um, and it was funny. I don't know if you remember it, Wardy, but on the way back from it, like everyone was 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 destroyed because we we had we had you know went in with a bad attitude. We had got our 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 arses handed to us by Wexford down there. Um, and I remember him saying, listen, we're going to pull in and we're going to go for a pint. Uh, and we all did. I don't know if you remember that, but we, we pulled into some spot just along some back road and we had about five or six pints and we actually had a great bit of crack and we all got back on the bus. And it was, it was, it, you know, of all of his moments, it was a great moment to actually do because, you know, he easily could have just tore into us, which everyone was expecting, and he subsequently did. Um, but instead he just said, lads, you know, we've got promotion well we've got into a semi-final let's let's just enjoy it da, da, da. and it was it was actually it was i think everyone appreciated it i know i kind of thought about it and i said actually that was a really good good thing to do but yeah we went into the monaghan game and then we i think we played roscommon um played quite well and definitely our tails were up like it was a good squad very very good team um and lads were really starting to buy in and lads were motoring well um and i suppose what coiler they, they brought with dudley and tommy um it, it 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 was old school but there was there was deadly dudley had taken over kind of a lot of the uh uh coaching of of football and certain drills and stuff like that so there was a good structure to things i think and also you know after the previous year we probably just wanted things to be uh let's just say on somewhat an even keel um and certainly you know we got that for for a good lot of the year not all of the year but uh, we certainly got it for a good lot of the year yeah, and you know, you mentioned the the previous year and how it was kind of fractious, and it sounded like you know you were maybe going into training every night or going to challenge matches, or whatever, not knowing what was going to happen or walking on eggshells. But was the atmosphere in the camp, Anthony, a lot? Was it a happier camp, let's say, in two thousand and seven? Did it feel like a happier place to be? Did you look forward to going to training more than you would have done the year before? Well, you know, I. <laughs> I was captain, so it's kind of a weird one uh, in the sense of I obviously was talking to Coiler a lot. Um, uh, you know, did I think Coiler would pick me as captain? I probably didn't really, to be honest with you, but I was not that I, you know, vice captains don't have to become captains, but I suppose obviously with the honour and the privilege of being captain, um, uh, you know, I just thought I had to assume, you know, more of a, of a leader, leadership role with it. Um, so, like any kind of stuff that was maybe going on. Um, you know, there's 30 odd on a panel. It's hard to keep track of everyone. And, and like, I mean, Wardy will tell you, you know, if you're number 28 or 29 in the panel, it's not like nowadays. You generally don't speak up. You know, you don't go and, and, and air your grievances to the captain or vice captain. And you probably definitely don't air your grievances to the management team. Um, now, that's not to say that environment wasn't there. I think it, I think it probably was there. But... There's always a thing of, and back then it was just, you know, you just stick your head down, you work harder, you try to get on the team or you try to get in the squad. Um, I think I think that between the lads, I think there was always a, a, an equal opportunities type atmosphere. I think, you know, if you performed well, um, 
Coiler was old school. Like I mean, you know, he was he was the type of a fellow who 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 wanted certain things from players, and if and if a player probably didn't fit into that category, um, much like a lot of managers, it was very hard to change his opinion of you. Um, and I don't know if if, if Wardy would agree with that, but that's the kind of sense I probably got. Um, you know, because the year later, when uh, in 08, I had a pretty fractious year with him, um, and and kind of the change in the atmosphere from the the 07 to 08 was 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 very different for me. But you know, I think I think the team came together. I think in the sense of uh, we wanted to put 06 behind us. Like I don't think we were that far off in 06 actually, as a matter of fact. And I think we were building nicely. So a lot of people probably didn't expect anything from us uh, but at the same time the confidence level was pretty high and we were new we knew as a squad we were motoring well we were fit we were playing well we had some really good forwards um, and we were pretty solid at the back and midfield so um you know, I think I think we were looking forward to taking on the championship and certainly the run in the league gave us a lot of confidence to do that mm. <laughs> So look at the championship then, and I know last week we looked at the the last team that Sean picked versus the first team that Eamon picked in the championship, and there were eight changes, I think we said, but this year slightly less. So between the Leash game in 06 and the Kildare game in the first round in 07, there's five changes to the starting lineup. So Owen Harrington comes in, Darren Fay comes uh, out of retirement, I guess he, he was missing the year, Damon Barry was there, and then Paderborn, Stephen Bray and Brian Farrell all started so not necessarily brand new lads in uh, into the squad but certainly I guess in the case of Owen Harrington maybe a new face in but uh, Keen, you go into that that championship you beat Calair the first day which uh, Taron Faye scores a goal in I just about remember that one down into the hill end but uh, which was certain something nobody would have expected to see but uh, he got mad at the match in that game actually as well in the paper but the quarterfinal then against Dublin this is the game where you kind of announce your yourself on the the county scene. I think you got did you get five points coming off the bench towards the end, and you you kicked the level and. I don't know it was a free or a sideline, but it was over in front of the, the Cusick stand. So you, you know, after waiting for your chance, you, you fairly announced yourself in that match. Yeah, well, look, it was on a personal level, it was a great experience for me. But I mean, it's interesting you mentioned the Calair game. I don't, I'm sure Miles will remember this well. I'm fairly sure we got a, we had a, a little set play from the throw-in, and I think we got a score at the start of both the first half and the second half against Calair from that. So I suppose that was it's just right. something I can remember. That was um, something that possibly made had a crucial impact on the game. So I suppose there was a level there was a, a significant level of attention to detail from from Euler as well and his he definitely had some great ideas on the game and uh, was I suppose when when he was away from it when he had, when he had a cool head and he was away from game day he was uh, very analytical I guess from about the game and I suppose Moise maybe touches on that the way he would have been about players you know he would have been able to analyze players and see where their strengths and weaknesses were and I suppose yeah like like most managers um, and people involved in sport they have you know they maybe have preformed opinions or they can form an opinion on players quite quickly and you do have to go a long way to change that opinion and I suppose he would have been no different and would have challenged um, certain guys to, to get up to the level that was required but um, I suppose the, the championship came, campaign for us we were we were well in the mix against Dublin and I think that drawn game Graham Garrity got what was should have been a perfectly legitimate goal in the first half that was disallowed and then Alan Brogan scored a square ball goal um, against us as well so there was a there was a couple of things that went against us that day um, but for me obviously coming on in the game was, was great and it was it was number set plays that, that came my way and they went over and the day in the sideline was was great at the end but again it was a kind of a case for me 
I suppose if I look back on it, the the Wexford, I had kind of been in and out of the team throughout the league. I think Colm, we were on the back of winning the championship in 2006 with the club at Wolf Town. So I think Colm, in many ways, rated me as a player and wanted to give me an opportunity. I just needed to, to bring myself to the level to make sure that I wasn't going to basically uh, let him down as such. Um, and throughout that league campaign, I was kind of in, I was out, I was... I did some good things and I had some some very poor performances as well. Um, and I suppose that culminated in the last uh, league game against away to Wexford where um, I just had a complete horror show and it was just just things didn't go well for me at all. And then I didn't, I think I might have come on for a minute or two in the in the semi-final against Monaghan, which was in Croke Park. And then in the league final, I didn't, I didn't get a run at all. And I can still remember, you know, that... Um, was ringing me sort of uh, a couple of days afterwards to see, you know, I didn't go out with the lads or anything after the game, after winning the league. And it was kind of a case of, you know, you weren't out with the lads. And I used the excuse, you know, that I had exams or I'd studied to do or something like that. But the reality was I, I, had, I had no interest in going out and celebrating what I would have seen as someone else's uh, victory, mm. you know what I mean? If I, wasn't, if I wasn't involved, I didn't really feel like I was kind of part of it as such. So... Again, going into the Kildare game, I, I, again, maybe got a couple of minutes at the end of the game. So I suppose I there was a lot of maybe, I suppose, energy and frustration and everything that I just wanted to get out. I wanted to play. I wanted to get out in the field. So I suppose it culminated in a little bit of a, a perfect storm for me. But unfortunately, it was it was only the leveller against Dublin and it wasn't the winning point because um, obviously we had to replay uh, a few weeks later and I did manage to start in that game and it didn't go too well for me then either so look Kylo would argue he was right all along <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a great development I think for the team in terms of playing those games against Dublin those big pressure games huge crowds at them great atmosphere and um and again, a lot of players were blooded in that environment um, and a lot of players were really kind of come to the peak. Like uh, Miles' performances in 2007 as captain were just out of this world, I think, through the qualifiers. I think he possibly got man four matches in a row in the qualifiers. So that'll tell you, sort of as the captain of the team, as a fellow who was coming into his prime, the leadership qualities he had. And like he was a huge, huge driving force for that year. And it was the year where Stephen Bray got an all-star. So we had some outstanding performers in the team and I suppose there was probably a developing backup cast and then also a number of guys who had kind of gotten themselves to to a very good level as well. Mm. Yeah, and, and the interesting thing about that, Anthony, I guess, was the fact that, you know, Darren Fay comes back in from, from the Wilderness having not played in 06, as we said. So that allows... Kevin Riley to go on to the 40 which is somewhere that maybe people would have forgotten that he played for Mead for a long time but he was at centre forward for a lot of that year and if I remember rightly even through the qualifiers you and Kevin nearly were, were kind of interchanging during games you were both floating around you were you were dropping to 6 he was he was dropping to 6 you were going to 11 and as Kean said there I mean it's something you touched on uh, when we talked to you a couple of weeks ago about how it took you a few years to actually just say to hell with this, I'm going to go out and enjoy my football. It was, was 07 the year you finally started to enjoy your football and and, and not worry too much about everything else that's going on? Um, well, first of all, I, owe, I must have awarded you a few quid after that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a draft, Wardy. <laughs> but no, it's, it's... Look, I think Wardy will tell you, any, any, any player will tell you, uh, sometimes it happens when lads are 23, 24, sometimes it's a little bit later. I think there was a culmination of things with myself. Um, 
I don't know. Like, I mean, 07 was just one of those years. Um, like, it wasn't like I, I certainly wasn't young, um, but I was getting stronger and probably just, you know, I was getting a bit more into gym work and stuff myself. And, you know, but I, I think, yeah, and, and I think my headspace was, was different in the sense of I, I felt that someone believed in me and probably then I, I, I brought that on. Um, I had had, obviously had a good few years with Black Hole before that and I thought I was playing good football. Um, and, you know, I think, I think you know, the, maybe the captaincy suited me. Um, and you know, I just, I just like, I, I liked being in that. I liked being in that zone. I liked it. it like things actually were terrible for me from a work perspective. Um, we were obviously going through a bit of a meltdown in, 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 in what I do. So football was actually a massive release. I remember lots of times just coming in and pulling in and park Tolson and just still in my suit and just kind of knocking the car off and saying, and just actually letting an audible sigh out and kind of blowing out there and saying, okay, that's that day done. And then into the, into training. Um, and instead of it actually being a, 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 a hardship or a torture on me I actually saw it as a release I enjoyed being around the lads you know the fellas weren't worrying about stock market you know fellas yeah. just going out to play football um, and, and it was it was it was actually the thing that really brought me through that year um, when I look back on it the funny thing about Coiler was and, and, and Wardy touched on it we went to Portugal on a bit of a training camp and, and the level of detail on lots of things be it restarts kickouts, uh, the, fl- the changing of players into different areas you know the throw ups scores we got um, like Fazer that time for Fazer to have the 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 confidence and, and the freedom to go from full back in the Calera game and end up cracking in a goal was, you know, just a sign of the belief that was there in him uh, and in other players. Um, I started that day six against Johnny Doyle. And I think a couple of weeks later, then I did move to 11. <clears throat> and then I, I kind of played at a floating 11. I came into it, came in around midfield for breaks. But then as the play was developing, I would drop back into as a, kind of an act as a double six, if you get me. Mm. Um, so, like, I mean, that was one of the first times outside of, say, the Northern teams that that was looked at. Certainly, Leinster teams weren't doing it. Um, and I think that also was, was a big help because. You know, we touched on it on the last podcast, and I know the boys were talking about it. You know, you chat to Niall McCaig, you chat to, you know, any of the lads who are in the defence at the time. It it was always a one-on-one situation most of the times, and you got very little help. You know, the, and it wasn't like the lads weren't working up front, but it was just a, a, it, there wasn't an idea where you just dropped back twelve men. You just didn't do it. Um, so it was a situation where the forwards would come to a certain area of the pitch. Um, and and then it was a kind of a one-on-one situation, and it wasn't like even the opposite opposition's defence were tearing forward. It was just that you you had your battle, and you and, and you. So when we actually doubled up and we brought men back, I think we became a lot more solid uh, mm. from a defensive point of view. And obviously with the firepower that we had, with Keane, with Farlow, with Joe, with different lads up front, um, we could afford to do that. I think. Yeah. Uh, sorry, on, sorry, on that, sorry, David. Just on that as well, Moisey. Like, if you think about it, like the half forward line for a lot of that um, qualifier campaign was you at eleven, and you had Pather and Niall McLaughlin as your two wing forwards. I mean, like that was two two lads with incredible engines on the wings who were certainly wouldn't a short hard work very good ball carriers as well, able to drop back. And then you had you kind of, in fairness, you would have had the defence of Nouse over the years playing the defence, playing as a midfielder and just phenomenal fitness. And it allowed sort of maybe Stephen Bray 
for Graham at different times to be to be the guys that were kind of drifting out the field, or maybe at, at Graham as a wing forward at times to, to hold up the field, given that you know there was already two men gone. So the balance of the team, in many ways, was was really really good in terms of there was a mixture of having danger up front and pace and that running power from deep, but also then just being able to get bodies back on a continual basis to provide that cover, which, as you say, just maybe wasn't discussed or hadn't been done in previous years. And even though it wouldn't have been, say, as um, maybe as well-practiced or as well-versed as we see teams doing it at the minute, there was certainly a framework there which allowed, I suppose, made made the team uh, made the team have a better dynamic overall, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I suppose, um, like... Looking at the qualifiers, I mean, one, it's funny the, the games that you remember. I remember the, the, the game particularly against Fermanagh in Navin, which was a real, you know, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, Anthony Fermanagh had beaten Mead in 03 and 04 in the qualifiers. And this was, going, this was looked on as a really tough game. And it was a real ding-dong, Mead won by two points, 11-9. And I guess the, the qualifiers that year in general again we talked about it before you you mentioned you know the, i think you think your exact exact words were the, the qualifiers were a horrible situation or a horrible experience for me for many years so can you put your finger on on what sort of change i mean some similarities to 05 and in, insofar as dublin beat me narrowly in in leinster but you know 07 me seemed to finally have gotten their head around this like the first game in the qualifiers that year for example was away to down which is no easy game you know you come through that when you beat Fermanagh, you beat you beat Galway. I think that one was down in Port Leash. I think Brayer put on a show that day. So you were really motoring. Can you put your finger on what exactly changed that year that Mead so, suddenly sort of got to grips with the qualifiers from from the mental perspective, which, as you said before, was the big hurdle? I think we were sick of it, really, to be honest with you. Um, and I think, you know, the, the we obviously knew we weren't far off Dublin and we weren't far off Dublin. Uh, you know, it, arguably probably the second day, if you remember, Ward, like we, 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 we had more of the ball. There was only a point in that game up to like the last minute or two. And we went looking in search of the equaliser in Dublin, I think. I can't remember, but they ended up getting two and then all of a sudden they got another one or something. Like that. It might have ended up winning by four. But that game was in the melting pot all the way along. Um. Down was an unbelievable experience because Down, if you actually look back, Down were flying at the time. I think Down were beaten by the eventual Ulster winners, um, if I'm correct, and and they weren't beaten by much. So Down had a really, really good, young, strong team. I think Ross Carr was 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 managing them. Um, it was a, I think it was a Saturday evening game. It was a really warm day, um, and and that was it. Like it's sliding doors. If we had lost that one, David, you know, mm. that team, God knows what would have happened. You know, there would have been fellas, you know, probably retiring. You know, it would have been like two years in a row, a complete mess. Who, who would have known what would have happened with Coiler? Um, but but we went up there. I think really determined and really dogged. Um, Benny Coulter was in his pomp, and I remember Niall McCaig Martin just did an unbelievable job on him. Um, but Down had Down had serious talent all over the team, mm. um, and we and we managed to nullify them in in a lot of respects. We went we went we kind of went after their big guns. We doubled up, uh, and we just said, right, once we take these as and again that was down to Coiler and the lads. You know they were very very strong on that. That actually we'll put our we'll put our best fellas on their best fellas and uh, any chance we get we have to stop them um, so that win 
you know, if I remember correctly, there was a good meet crowd there. And that win, I think, really gave us massive confidence. It propelled us forward. And, of course, the qualifiers, it's all about momentum, which is the old thing just thrown out. But it really is. Once, once you get the, the first one, and invariably won away from home against an opposition. You know, people would say about Dan now, but Dan back then were a completely different uh, uh, proposition. Um, <clears throat> so I think once we got that, uh, we rattled on. The Fermanagh game was was a really interesting game. I think I was, uh, I remember, to, to, look, it, it, was, it was a kind of a, Fermanagh wanted to play it kind of the usual style where they just tried to counterattack you all the time, but, but we managed to uh, just kind of grind them down, really. Uh, um, and then the Galway game was, as you would expect, a kind of an open, kind of full of flair game. Um, and, and we managed to get the win over that. So, you know, we, we, we had got on a really, really good run. And I remember the mood in the camp was excellent. Uh, training was just, all you were doing was just topping up during the week in training. Um, and, and honestly, we, we, we felt, you know, we were just like, OK, roll on. Whoever we pulled out of the hat, the bigger, the better, you know, and it was a great atmosphere. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, and so then the, the quarterfinal against Tyrone, who, of course, were, were in their pomp, as, as you mentioned, you mentioned Benny Cooler. Tyrone were certainly in their, in their pomp at this point and would have been favourites to beat Mead in that quarterfinal. The famous uh, Graham Garrity. I don't think I've seen a finish like it since. And Graham had only come back in, I think, against Galway because I think there was another uh, difference of opinion in the in in the in the squad. I think I remember Graham coming back on against Galway, and there was a, a banner. I think I mentioned this last week. There was a banner or something up on the on the the hill, let's say, behind the goals in Port Leash, uh, welcoming Graham back. So he comes back into the fold, and then he's he's on against them. Um, against her own and that's a cracking game and I just watched the highlights of that one recently like again Anthony I think you I know you missed the semi-final through injury but that game against her own a real mix of you know direct football quick kind of short passing and letting it in long again like you know you had a I think Shane O'Rourke was inside in the full forward line that day Brian Farrell won a won a breaking ball off Stephen Ray to put Graham in for that goal but that must rank I'm assuming um, Anthony I, keep, I don't know I think Keen you came on at the end I think I remember you winning the free over on the far side towards the end but that that game maybe start with you Keen on this one I know you, were, you weren't on for the whole lot of it but that was probably one of the 
the memories that Mead fans there, there aren't too many in recent years maybe but that's that game because it was so maybe unexpected was a, a game that a lot of Mead supporters who were around for it will remember very very fondly yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I'm fairly sure that um, Tyrone were the Ulster champions that year as well. Now, in fairness, by the time we played them, I think they were there was a lot of them were on their last legs. They were they were struggling. There was a number of injury issues that they had, but nonetheless, as from from where we were coming from as a team, we would have been obviously slightly behind um, the, the level of that Tyrone team. And for the lads to pull out the performance they did on the day was was a massive achievement. And there's no doubt about it. It was a big surprise. But as Moisey touched on, the atmosphere was was brilliant in the camp. Like I mean, the in-house training games, even though there wasn't much of an opportunity with the with the games and the qualifiers coming thick and fast, when there was a bit of a break between games, um, you know, the in-house matches were were very very good. The quality was good. They were very enjoyable, very competitive, and I suppose it was it was a good time. Like I mean, it was. I don't know if lads do it now in between qualifier games, but I mean, like we, we were able to go out on a Saturday evening as a group um, and have a great bit of crack together after these big wins. And, you know, it was just, it's a very, very enjoyable uh, summer to look back upon. Albeit that I wasn't featuring too regularly on the pitch in those games, but it was still, it was a, it was, you know, I suppose maybe the last testament to it and that I wasn't playing, but you were still really enjoying going training. You were enjoying the crack with the lads. The atmosphere was superb within the camp and I suppose the ambition was very, very high as well. And the performances that uh, the performance level of the lads against Tyrone that day was was really, really high and it was it was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant victory for me. Is that one that you re- you remember very very well, Anthony, and very fondly? I do, yeah. Um I should say there, there wasn't that many, so uh, the good ones yeah, kind of stand out. Um, it was like I mean, I think I think Keane is right. They, they were they were carrying a few lads in into it with with injuries. Um, but I remember Mickey Hart making a make, saying a quote. You know, one of these pin up on the dressing room wall jobs. He said like if Tyrone plays to their ability, they'll they'll beat Mead. Um, you know, so arguably we probably played above our ability, and they played a bit less than theirs. So um, it was it was again another tactical kind of uh, uh, battle. Uh, Mark Ward was marking Sean Cavanagh. Well, marking is is probably deserved, <laughs> but. Um, but to be fair to Wardy, Sean Cavan only got away from him once. Now he did rattle it in the back of the net, but you know Wardy did his job. You know by hook or by crook, and uh, you know he stopped probably one of the most influential midfielders of that era. Um, and you know it allowed probably Nigel to do his thing. Um, I again was playing at eleven and kind of dropping back, and we we just you know it allowed kind of the likes of Brer Brer. Remember how to storm or it allowed Brer probably you know really show off all of his prowess uh, and giving him a bit plenty of 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 room to run into. Um, same with Graham, same with Farlow. Um, but it was just it was just one of those days that that things went well. It was it, like it was a tight game, um, and of course Tyrone didn't give it up. But it was it, it was it was a fantastic uh, fantastic day, and and you know what war are you saying there? Like I've I've never enjoyed it was there was some really really special moments during that year where you know we were out in Navin all together and you know we we it seems a bit lame now but we had a bit of a, a not a team song but like I mean we you know there was a song there and we all kind of used to have a go mental when it came on. <laughs> and, Can you tell us uh, what it was? <laughs> Jesus, I can't even remember. I do, I do remember. I'm afraid to say it. <laughs> you, can, you, 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 can, you can sing us a few lines of it there. <laughs> no, but, it was, but what I'm saying is, the, the, for the first time in a long time, there was an atmosphere. There was a band of brothers kind of atmosphere within that mm. squad. Um, mm. There was a real, you know, you were happy to sit down and have a drink with anyone. 
in one to thirty. There was no backstabbing. I, I didn't like. I mean, maybe maybe I'm missing things, Morty. But I, I, you know, I thought as captain, I would have a good pulse on it. Maybe just lads weren't telling me. But no, no, um, I, I totally agree with that. Moses. Like I was saying, like I, I would have definitely had my frustrations from a playing perspective that year, where you know you were trying, you were obviously mad to get more game time, but there was never a situation where there was any of that sort of nonsense going on uh, really like people wanted to get into the team but everyone was supporting the team and the vibe was really good and I think there was a vibrancy to the squad I think probably one of the key things to it was that I suppose Dudley with his background with uh, managing the Mead Miners and probably 21s as well there was a there was a real core group of of young players in in the squad that were maybe on the squad for their first year as well and I think that massively helped because those guys were were so enthusiastic about training but they weren't yet probably at the stage where they were sour about not being in the team if that makes sense so mm-hmm. the squad wasn't there was nobody sitting there that you know had a, had a puss on them that they weren't playing or that they were that they weren't part of the team so everybody was really pulling in the same direction and look when you when you reflect back on it it was there were fantastic times uh, probably I would say even for me even though I wasn't probably playing probably the most enjoyable um, championship summer that I would have had um, involved with the main team because there was that sort of more like a club atmosphere there was the ability to just go out and socialise with each other after these games and have that sort of blowing off a bit of steam and you know really having great fun together and yeah I suppose the vibrancy the younger players like I, I remember Chris O'Connor um, from Barnabracky I think he I think he might have come on against Galway um, for a few minutes, but he started against Tyrone and was given the, the deep man market job and Brian Doher, if I, if I recall correctly. And right, like, yeah. he did he did an unbelievable job. So for for a guy like him, then coming in this championship debut, I mean that that would show you that the management team were brave. Like if you were if you were doing it in training, or if they thought your your sort of characteristics were were a good matchup for for an opposing team, you'd be in there and. Lads invariably performed in that regard. So, look, mm. from that point of view, we ticked an awful lot of boxes that season. Yeah, I guess, I mean, the year ended in a bit of a disappointing ma- manner in the fact that Cork, Cork won easily in the, in the semi-final. I think you missed that game, Anthony. The interesting thing, just before we, we, we move on from that, is the, the week of that, the week leading up to the Cork game, the county board gave Colin Coyle a two-year extension as we talked about before the, the the way it had been in Mead was that you were on a year-to-year term every single year so Sean Boylan as we discussed before was was having to get ratified every single year Eamon Barry obviously had his year Con Coyle got a year but then um, as I said in the lead up to that court game when this, I guess the stock was as high as it, it was going to be at that stage um, he's given a two-year extension because there was a fear I read some quotes from Brendan Dempsey that um, you know Colin could be could be snapped up by a, a Cavan or a Monaghan again, which which was you know made sense and certainly given managers more than a year was was the way to go. So that's when from that change from Mead perspective, I guess not a whole lot to say about the semi final. Anthony really is there. It was a a bit of a one sided game. I think I remember Graham getting a, getting a little tickle across the jaw from Noel O'Leary as well, but it, me just didn't didn't show up that day and. Was it, I don't know. Was it? A dis- it was obviously a disappointing result and a disappointing way to end the year. But all in all, you probably would have been very happy with the way the year went. Or, or did it feel like a missed opportunity that semi-final? I don't. You know, the funny thing is about it. I I, I twinged a hamstring. I think the Tuesday night after the uh, 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 Tyrone win. Um, I think we 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 did a we did a well. Anyway, I, I I twinged my hamstring, so I was I was pretty pissed off as you can imagine. Um, and I did a bad enough job on it, and I, I spent a kind of you know the next 
two to three weeks trying to get it get it right. Um, I think we had we had settled into a nice pattern um, of play, uh, and and I think. You know, if you remember, Wardy, I think John Donegan came in to kind of play the role that I was playing, and and John was new in on the panel. He had got a good few starts or, and, and came on. Um, and this is this isn't at John's door, but I think we we shifted a number of things around and just it, it's funny. I I had actually completely if if you'd asked me three four weeks ago about that court game, I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly what happened. I didn't know the score, didn't know what happened, but I watched it actually back. Um, during the old lockdown uh, boredom and like I think we were only a point or two behind at half time um, it was actually very very close uh, we had missed a good few opportunities and you know we were going toe to toe Cork um, and, and it was like a six or seven minute spell in the second half where it just unraveled um, and it unraveled pretty significantly now maybe the cracks were there in the first half but you know from looking back in the game um we were right in it um but look cork ran out cork were obviously a very very strong team at the time um yeah it is disappointing it's disappointing because it ended that way i don't think uh uh you know we 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 were we deserved it to end that way in the sense of you know where we where we got bad I don't think so uh, did we did we overachieve against Tyrone some people would have pointed the finger that Tyrone were missing lots but we still had to go out and beat them and we still had to beat some serious teams in the qualifiers so it was it was it was upsetting to, to probably but at the same time after the previous couple of years David to have that measure of success it felt like relief and it felt I suppose for players like myself and you know, maybe Nigel and maybe Seamus Kenny, you know, guys who had been there nine the keg, it felt probably a bit of vindication uh, that actually, you know what, we're not too bad. <laughs> we're actually yeah. half decent and we can beat a few teams. And then for the younger lads coming in, like I'd imagine for Wardy, I'm not going to speak for you, Wardy, but, you know, that would have given you guys a big fill up to say, right, you know, we're going to really take this on over the next few years. Yeah, well, I think I think that's it. Miles. Like you, you arrive in, and I suppose as a as a young player, you, you, I mean, there's nothing in your head only that me, me, they're going to win all Ireland's. I mean, that's just the way it is. That's that was the expectation level because of what you know the the couple of decades of success um, before that. So, I mean, you know, there was nothing sure in your mind than me were going to be winning all Ireland's, and you wanted to be part of it. And I think that season particularly would have been. A huge confidence booster to everybody. Now it is when you reflect back on it, um, you know, and hindsight is twenty twenty, as they say. But look, it was it was very frustrating way for the season to finish in the manner of the defeat. Um, but that's look, that's the nature of sport, as you say. There are these sliding doors moments where things can go free and things can go against you. Um, look, there's no doubt about it. Anthony's injury in the build up to the game um, was a, was a huge loss to the team because. Number one, his performance levels have been so good um, that you were missing you were missing one of your top players. And secondly, it, it disrupted the balance of the team as well because no matter what, no two players are identical. So when you bring in a different player, like if, if I was to come into the team in place of, in place of Stephen Bray, we're different types of players. We offer different things to the team. We can't do the exact same jobs each other. So it, depending on form, one can be better than the other, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter if a team has developed over a number of games playing a certain way. There, there's this sort of an equilibrium on the pitch that kind of, rides through storms on certain occasions or you know that you can rely on a guy to do a certain thing or you know what he's going to do almost because you've built up that bit of a rapport on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Particularly at that level 
where things are happening so quickly. Um, like there were, there were probably times in the court game where gaps were appearing in our defence and nobody could understand why they were appearing. But the reality was because Moisey wasn't there to plug it or he wasn't there to, you know, move to a position where somebody else covered it. So all these things happen and uh, there, there's a, a number of small little things that add up. Um, and I think we probably, if I don't know that the, that the manner of that defeat, um, I suppose, affect us into the next season. And probably from a management perspective, maybe they maybe it, they might have formed opinions based on how the game went or certain things like that. Or there was, uh, you know, there was definitely a frustration with how the whole thing ended up. But at the same time, there was still, it was it was massively encouraging as, as a season when you compared it with previous seasons. It definitely would have given the, the group a lot of hope going into 2008 and beyond. Yeah, so... You know, the first kind of positive season in a few years, an All-Ireland semi-final, the furthest that we'd gotten by a long chalk since the 2001 All-Ireland final. So everything looks rosy in the garden. Bit of managerial continuity, stability there. Good performance in 07. Into the National League in 08. Uh, played 7-1-3, drew one. Uh, awarded the points against Cork. I couldn't quite find out a reason for that, but uh, I just saw that one in the in the paper. Then drew at Roscommon, lost Westmead, beat Cabin, lost to Monaghan, beat Armagh. And then in round seven against Dublin, and if this game had been played in the opening round, maybe things would have been a whole lot different. But in round seven, you lose to Dublin by a point. Anthony, I don't think you were playing this day. This one, I think he and you were there, but people may well remember this. There was an almighty melee. Um, it was all over the papers for a week afterwards. Disgraceful scenes. Book was going to be thrown at them, and it was. There were five players sent off on the day um, from both sides in total. And then... Afterwards, Shane McInerney, Seamus Kenny, Niall McCaig, Nigel Crawford and Brendan Murphy get two months. Darren Faye, Keeping King and Paderborn get one month. So there's 16 players in total suspended afterwards uh, in in the aftermath of it. Eight from me, eight from Dublin. Um, and this obviously has a massive knock-on effect for the championship. Um, do you remember that, that round, Keane? Because the, the, there was a bit of a schmozzle. Paddy Russell was the referee and he sent five lads off. And then shortly afterwards, um, Kieran Whelan decked James Kenny and he got the line as well. That seemed to be, according to the reports, that seemed to be a particularly bad blow. But do you remember the, the row yourself? How, how did it all start or what happened? And actually, just before, just before, we, get, just before we get to it, actually, because we, you may, you've probably heard um, Brian and Anthony talking about this. And I, I put it to, to the lads that when Nigel Crawford got decked in 05, that should everybody have gone in and, and Brian Farrell very wisely said well where would you have, where would you have been if everyone had gotten involved you might have had a situation like you had against Dublin in 07 or in 08 rather and how right he was because that that row had a, a massive impact on Meads Championship but the, the row itself you remember it um, yeah, I do actually. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that the um, I don't think the suspensions um, maybe had as big an impact on the Wexford game as as um, as maybe you might think based on the, the way the game went. But in any event, the yeah, the row itself. I can't remember exactly what the cause was. I think um, there was a ball caught in our defence. I don't know whether it was Brendan Murphy or what. I think Bernard Brogan maybe came in with a shoulder to in the chest or something like that, and then all hell broke loose. Um, and uh, I think it was. It seemed to be dragging on and on. And I was up the far end of the pitch, and myself and Stephen Bray were up in the full forward line. And um, it kind of seemed to be going on. And as as the thing was going on, it's like everybody starts kind of edging towards us. And then I think two players sprinted past um, 
me and Bray are running down towards it. So we said we better follow them down. So it ended up that people were slowly going down the field. I think at one stage, one I think um, I think whether it was Jared Brennan or someone who was maybe with Stephen Bray, he says, "Is there? There's a, well, we could just start fighting here. There's hardly much point to going down to the far end of the field." <laughs> um, look, it was it was one of those. That it all got a little bit out of hand, but the atmosphere in Parnell Park that day was just unbelievable. Like it's a, it's a, it's one of the the best places to play a game of football when you have a. And there's a decent crowd there because it's it's real narrow around the pitch. It's a bit like a bowl, and it's a, yeah, the atmosphere was incredible that day. So I suppose given the given the rivalry between me and Dublin, and given the the close nature of the the championship game in 2007 and the replay, and just the public interest that that generated, you know, when you think you had maybe 78,000 people and 82,000 people at the two championship games the previous season, um, like I mean. And the full house in the Parnell Park wasn't going to be too hard, and I suppose I suppose the crowd were baying for blood, and there was there was plenty of physicality in the game, and I think that was just the, the occasion maybe got the better of a few lads, um, and uh, they, they maybe lost the a little bit. I got I, I read a quote from one of the Dublin players. I can't remember who it was. Um, who possibly one of the lads you mentioned there that sprinted down there? Graham Garrity turned around to him and said, "You should have got you should have got here a couple of minutes ago. It was great crack." So uh, a few of them were late. A few of them were late arriving to the to the party. It seems. Um, I guess. Look, we we don't want to we don't want to keep you all too long, but we might as well just skip on to the the Wexford game. Mead beat Carlo comfortably in the first round of the Leinster Championship, and it was uh, one twenty five to eight points was the final score in that game. So the Wexford game then in the quarter final. Um, Anthony, I was I was thinking about this as a whole. I don't think, and maybe I could, I'm open to correction here, but I don't know if there are two more contrasting years back to back under the same manager in Mead football down through the years. Because you mentioned all the positives that came out of 2007, the atmosphere was good, the management was you know with freshening things up. Um, Obviously, there was a, a collapse against Wexford. People might, who don't remember this, Mead were leading by 10 points at halftime. They were actually leading by 10 points with 20 minutes to go as well. Wexford had a mini-revival at the start of the second half, but Mead were leading by 2.12 to 8 points just before you came on, actually, Anthony. But uh, we'll get to that in a second. Um, but the thing I can't figure out about this is 10 points ahead. You would imagine Wexford were going to need three or four goals here to get back into this. That wasn't what happened. They chipped away with points. They got a couple of goals at good times. They got the second goal came on 59 minutes. Um, and what you touched on earlier about the atmosphere in the camp maybe changing, did, did that play a part here? Because when you lose a lead of that magnitude, I don't know, was it a fitness thing or, or what, but did it expose maybe cracks in the morale that, 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 were there and that hadn't really been noticed so long. It's a hard one. Again, I'm looking at it from the outside. It's a hard one to explain. Do you have any theory on, on what went wrong that day or what happened? I don't really because um, I suppose over the years I've, I've, I haven't dwelled on it too much to be honest no. with you. Maybe my, my, me coming on as a substitute was just to change <laughs> the game with exactly what Wexford. I must, I must give back that Wexford man of the match that they gave me that day. Um, no, I, my, my distinct memories of that game were I was, I was, I think I had a, a, a groin operation. So I was coming back from that. And I remember warming up on the sideline and I distinctly remember Wardy, uh, like just like literally skinning lads for fun. Like I remember, I can't remember who I was warming up with, but I said, I looked at the person, I kind of who it was. And I just said, we're not, we're not getting on this pitch. And I remember thinking to myself that this was the best I had ever seen Mead play. Mm. Like, I mean, they, we were absolutely just killing, killing. Like, we probably should have been 20 points ahead. 
Never yeah. mind ten. Like we, we, like I mean, I don't know if Wardy. I'm sure he does remember that, but I think we left so much out there in the first half, um, because literally, and, and and I'd say what happened is, of course, we went in at half time, and the usual was said, "Don't get complacent." Da 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 da, you know, and it was like, okay, we're definitely not going to get complacent, and which we didn't because we were still ten points up at twenty minutes to go. Mm. But I don't know if it was a collective. Um, Lack of energy. I don't know if it was a collective, we have this in the bag, we'll just see her out. Uh, I don't know if it was a collective kind of thing of, you know, let's not take any risks. Um, I remember Wardy getting in a bit of trouble and I think he got sent off. And I, yeah. I think we just couldn't get our hands on a, football, a ball in midfield. Um, mm-hmm. He got penalised, I'd say, five or six times in a row. Uh, there was a big, big lad marking him and the referee just seemed to give your man everything. Um, and... I suppose, you know what, we needed to get up the pitch. And I remember Farlow might be reminding him of this one, but we, we ended up getting up the field at one stage, and I think we got a 14 or 21-yard free. And unfortunately, Farlow kicked it wide. And I think it was like an audible gasp from everyone. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. like Wexford got the kick out, and then Matty Ford did what Matty Ford did. Um, and I, like... I don't think it was from lack of effort. We were all running around trying to, you know, trying to get this back. But it just started to slip and slip and slip. Um, and before we knew it, you know, it was gone. Now, we didn't really kind of know it at the time. Well, we we, 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 we kind of knew, but, you know, things weren't 100% with the management team at the time. Um, there was a bit of a split in the camp with regard to the management team. And most certainly... I think that had started to filter through. Now, again, we're players. I'm not going to blame management team much as as as, as you're definitely not going to do it. You're out there to do a job. You do the job. But I don't know if that had something to do with it. And what, was the, what was the nature of the split, can you, can you say? Because everything had been so good the year before. I'm, I'm not. I, I genuinely don't know, and I'm not trying to just just uh, dodge the question. Um, mm-hmm. I just think that there was there was a split between two personalities uh, um, over. I don't do. I do not know why. I don't know if it was a personal thing or if it was a, 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 within the management team itself. You mean? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. And uh, you know, it just it just kind of coincided with us when we went training we went left to one person and then we went back down right to the other person and then we kind of met in the middle with, and it was all just a little bit uh, uh, kind of I suppose right. let's let's just say the harmony and the togetherness of the previous year um, had most certainly kind of been um, I would say shaken uh, right. and, and look I don't know what Wardy's take on that is. I don't think that was the, the reason for the, the collapse of the year. But, you know, all it takes is a couple of different things to go wrong um, and, and they all culminate together and all of a sudden, next thing, you're, you're, you're staring down the barrel of a gun. Mm. Yeah, I think just, just on that, I suppose, David, what was the halftime score, can you remember, against West? It was, um, it was 2-8 to 4 points at halftime. 14-4, so 10 in it. Yeah, yeah, I can remember something distinctly like um, if that if we scored, I think at halftime they said something like, lads, if we get five more points, they need to score 16 points to beat us. And I think that they scored 210 in the second half. Would that be right? Or something along those lines. Or if we, I, I just remember that whatever, whatever, whatever yeah. calculations done at halftime, we nailed it perfectly. And it <laughs> just so happened that also nailed it to beat us. Um, and that was one thing that really stuck with me afterwards. But as as Moisey said, like that that first half against Wexford, we absolutely destroyed them. Mm. And 
the game should have been way out of sight. I remember coming through on a couple, coming through on at least two occasions. One where I tried to flick the ball across the square for Joel, I think, to tap into the net. It was intercepted. The second one then, after that, I was thinking, okay, now, cool head, no need to go for the goal here. Just kick it over the bar. And I was coming through on the maybe the 14 or the 21 and went to just tap it over the bar with that foot, completely topped it straight into the keeper's hands. There was a couple of, I think, Kevin Riley came through just before half time. And, you know, there was maybe another goal chance on and he either blazed it over the bar or or blazed it possibly even wide. So there was a number of just, and that was only the tip of the iceberg. There was mm. plenty of Joe's goal was disallowed as well. Well, that was the thing. In the second half, I think it was yeah. really realistic about it. Morris Egan was ref in the game and he was doing what most good GA referees do, which was give everything to the team that was coming from behind. And the reality, like Anthony Masterson caught the ball and the Wexford goal in the second half, tried to barge out through Joe. Joe took the ball off and he kicked it into the net. Absolutely nothing wrong. If anything, it was a free in to us. He gave it a free out. And again, that's at a time where if that goes in, the game is over. Like, forget about it. No comeback. Um, and then, look, as Mildy said, it's just a build-up of a number of different factors. I mean, even even one of the goals that Wexford got, it was a high ball kicked into the square. And I remember seeing it on the video analysis afterwards. It was five mead players around the ball as it was being contested. There was one Wexford player just drifting into the camera position as the ball was dropping. And I mean drifting, it was Redmond Barry. Mm. And as the ball dropped, whatever way it came off the fingertips, it missed all the mead defenders and landed to him and it's a goal. So it's just... These are the things that can happen in games that um, yeah. turn a game in your favour or turn a game against you. And to be fair to Wexford, they they had look, they were a very good team. I think they got to the All Ireland semi final last year. They had Alan victory in their forward division. And around the middle, they I think it was Dottie Waters who was the guy who came on, who was an absolute monster of a man, and he just came on with fresh legs and started getting stuck into our guys. Brian Mead had to go off with a dead leg. Um, and he was having a fantastic game in the middle of the field. So, I mean, it was just one of those things. It was a number of, a variety of different factors went against us. And I suppose the fallout from the Wexford game was that we had played unbelievable football. The team was really well prepared. We were in a great place. We had, we then had all the guys who were going to be coming back from suspension to strengthen the team. We had lads coming back from injury. Anthony was coming back from injury. I mean, the whole that. Moisey would have got 20 minutes there in that game coming back into it. That was 20 minutes, you know, prepare for, I think it was Leash in the Leinster semi-final. All of these things were, you know, being factored in. And you were thinking, you know, in reality, you were thinking you were in a great place going forward. Unfortunately, it all fell on its head. And we then had a seven-week gap from the Wexford yeah. game, the first round of the qualifiers. There was two or three rounds of club championship in between. And then we went and did... Some what I could only describe as some of the most horrendous pre-season type training we'd ever done. Um, and look, the, the management made a calculation that we were going to get over Limerick and that they were looking at a qualifier run and they were trying to get all the fitness work done in advance of that game so that we, you know, because you'd only be able to do the bare minimum between yeah. games and qualifiers. And ultimately, we came into that Limerick game probably, probably overtrained and probably then when it came to it from a management and from a playing perspective we probably underestimated the quality that Limerick had and also then and I don't know if Moisey can remember this the day of the game we met I think at, at, at Beach Mount there in Avon and I think we met at something we met at some ungodly hour in the morning anyway the day of the championship game for, for I think the championship game was at half seven that evening in Limerick, we met at nine o'clock in the morning to go down and we still arrived late to the Gaelic grounds 
where we landed into the dressing room and then there was this big panic to get out on the field for the warm-up. So I suppose preparation was not good. These are all the things that happened around it. But nonetheless, as a, as a group of players on the day, we didn't deliver a performance. Now, I suppose when you when you reflect back, you're trying to see well, what were all the factors that led to this poor performance. And I suppose I've listed a few that I think if we had done them differently, would have left us in a better place. But I think mm. bottom line is, as a group of players, we we physically weren't right and we probably mentally weren't right for the game and that's where you end up with the performance and the defeat that you end up with. Yeah, and just before uh, I come to you, Anthony, Anthony or Keen, I have to compliment your memory there because um, 2-8 to 4 at half-time in the Wexford game, uh, Mead ended up with 2-13, so they got their five points in the second half and Wexford got 2-10, which is the 16 points that, that you mentioned, which is... Uh, which is quite a freakish thing, but uh, but yeah, and actually, just on the on the winning point that Wexford got that day, I don't know if anyone has seen it back or watched it back lately. It was almost like a rugby league or a rugby move. Someone came around on the loop, or Matty Ford came around on the loop to take the ball off a fella, and I think it was probably Cormac McGill was going with Ford, and whoever was picking up the Wexford man in possession, two of them collided with each other, hit the deck. Matty Ford was in splendid ice it was like it was like a set move you wouldn't I don't think I've ever seen anything like it the lad coming around with the loop the two mead lads collided Matty Ford now was a hell of a score where he kicked it from but um which uh, an incredible an incredible end to that game but the, the thing I had in my head Anthony was I I had thought for, for whatever reason thinking back before I looked at the dates I was like oh this this that Limerick game sure came up the following week for me did no time to recover from the <laughs> the kind of disappointment of the Wexford game but actually as Keane said Maybe they would have been better off having it the following weekend, but just that seven-week gap, <laughs> I didn't realise the hard training that went on. Is that, is that kind of where, where that Limerick game was lost? I mean, a seven-week gap for anyone is, is a long time to be off, but did, did you have any suspicion going into that Limerick game that this, is, this, could, be, this could end badly? Was there any feeling around that, that, that could go the way it went? Because Limerick had only just been narrowly beaten by Cork in the, in the, in the Munster Championship, rather, so there were no mugs. There were no mugs, and... Um... I think, you know, Keane has hit the nail on the head there. I think there's a culmination of things. I don't think there was any expectation within the squad or any kind of fear or any kind of, um, you know, Jesus, we're on, we're on tin. I'd say, you know, the Wexford thing would have been well out of the system by then um, in the sense of, look, lads, we took the eye off the ball. Um, you know, we should have won the game. We should have had it buried. Uh, I don't think there was any fallout. Like, Jesus, maybe my memory is gone. But I remember, like, I even forgot the, the level of training that, that Wardy is saying. I think that probably showed um, whether they wanted to or not, um, maybe a little bit of fear uh, amongst the management team that they probably didn't think we were fit enough. Uh, I don't think the Wexford thing was anything to do with fitness. Like, as a matter of fact, you know, it wasn't that we ran out of steam. It's just like when, when, when you're chasing a game and the opposition are trying to hold on to the game, well, then the team that's chasing the game are going to literally be running at 150%. Uh, and, and, and so you're just going at 100%, but you're still, you're still, you know, minus. So it's just when the team has the momentum and the team has, is on the ruppers, they look like they're flying and the other team looks like they're, 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 they're stuck to the ground. Um, maybe the delay, because seven weeks, I didn't realise it was that long. I think a couple of fellas got injured. I know I got a kind of re-injured. Um, 
and it, it was just messy. I think the whole day was messy again. I mean, that's fair play to Warrior in his memory, but I, I do now remember we got there. We got there late. It was a cramped dressing room. It was like, quick, 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 get out, all panicked. And I, 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 I don't think we gave Limerick the, 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 the justice that they deserved that they warranted because they had Galvin at the time. They had Johnny McCarthy. They had some serious forward power, if you remember. And they were yeah, a team right. that, yeah, they were a team that were forced to be reckoned with in Munster for a number of years after that um, and, and we probably should have done our homework a bit better I think we probably felt that maybe it just got in that look we'll just get back up on the horse we'll win this and we'll, we'll motor on um, and ultimately uh, we were hit with a couple of sucker punches very very early on and it was lights out mm. and I guess the fallout then from that game is that Darren Fay retires Graham retires um, obviously we know he came back under, under Banty briefly but Colin Coyle steps down uh, in the immediate aftermath of that game, I mean, the papers the following day had it that he was gone. Um, I was chatting to Fergal Lynch from the Mead Chronicle during the week, and we got talking about this game. And he said he he actually mentioned that for some reason he was down in the tunnel after the game, and he said the abuse that Colin Coyle was getting. And this was something we talked about with with uh, yourself and and Brian Farrell around Sean's departure uh, in his last few games or his last few years. The abuse he was getting from the supporters, and the same thing happened to Colin Coyle. And I think he. I don't know, was it an emotional decision on the spur of the moment that he just said, you know, I don't need this in my life, but I don't know how that was communicated to you. Did he tell you straight after the game, Keen, or or how, how did you find out about that? Uh, my memory of it is that he told us um, on, on the, the bus, on the bus when, just when we basically landed back in Avon, I'm fairly sure. And okay. Look, my memory is that he didn't have too many kind words for us either, but I can kind of understand that because... Um, <laughs> to a certain extent, as a manager, you'd be very extremely frustrated with the nature of the performance on the day, and you would feel very, I suppose, look, completely frustrated and pissed off. And I can understand that from a manager's perspective, but I suppose from a player's perspective, we were equally, if not more, pissed off with how things had gone. And mm-hmm. as Anthony says, look, it's that that day is probably the look. That was definitely the low point for um, a lot of us as as kind of me players, and certainly for a lot of people who would have gone as me supporters to games. That was a that was a pretty pretty low place to be by virtue of the expectations, I suppose. You know, we had done a really good run the previous year. We really felt like we were an exciting team, and we were on the verge of doing something quite positive and you know getting success and and that really came as a bolt from the blue in terms of the performance line and everything I suppose that's the nature of going into a game with a bit of complacency that um, it is a bolt from the blue and you don't have time to react but yeah. look there's no doubt absolutely no doubt in my mind that the preparation for that game was wrong all around and from a physical perspective I can still remember that there was two times there's two times playing in games where I've felt that way where you know, you felt like you were just dead where there's a guy who has the ball and he's carrying it and he's just running away from you and you know he's not a fella who should be running away from you and you're going as hard as you can and you cannot catch him. And this is in the early stages of a game. It's not like it's fatigue. This is just, you don't have it in the legs. Mm. That was the two times I felt that was in 2007 when we played away to Wexford in the league and in uh, 2008 and the qualifiers away to Limerick were the two times on a personal level I felt that um, but there was a number of things that I was doing I suppose I was on a kind of a slightly separate training regime to the boys and at that point in 2007 where I was uh, doing some extra so um, that maybe precipitated some of my lack of activity on the, on the pitch after that but um, in 2008 that was the, the preparation for the 
you know, that seven-week gap just killed us, as you say, if we had been playing the week later or two weeks later. I mean, it should have been, it should have been a brilliant gap for us because it allowed, you know, two or three rounds of club championship guys to get game time and it should have allowed us to get all of our, our guys back, you know, the eight players who were or the five or six guys suspended and get guys back from injury, but it turned out to really go the opposite way for us and I suppose as a collective both players and management you'd look back on that seven week period and you'd really love to be able to go back in time and do it all over again because we should have been in a really really good place being able to reflect back on what we could have learned from that Wexford game and take all the positives and and drive forward from it so I suppose that's a a real regret for me anyway on a personal level Well my my journey back from Limerick that night was probably a little bit more peaceful than your one but I do remember hitting a checkpoint in trim at about 11 o'clock at night and rolled down the window and there was a couple of us in the car and I was driving and Garda says where are you coming from and I says Limerick and he's like oh Jesus say no more go on so he left me off I think it was a sympathy boat there and Anthony so the, the the announcement from from Colin came on the on the bus um I'm surprised to hear that it was actually when you got back. I thought I, I had it I had it in my head that maybe he got on and straight after the game in, in a in a fit of annoyance and, and did it. But like looking back on that period as a whole, Anthony, do you think that, albeit you know you said 2008 there was a bit of a there was a bit of a kind of a fracture in the management team, but you think Colum should have stayed on for another year? Was he a little bit a little bit hasty to step down? Um, given like again we talked about the sliding doors moment in 05 against Dublin, another one against Wexford in in 08. As you said, anyone that's watched the first half of that game back, Mead played as you as you mentioned unbelievable football and and the pace and the the scores that were taken and everything on a really hot day. But do you think do you think Anthony that Colum maybe could have given it another year? Like he had it, he had his two year extension from 07, so he was due to stay there till the end of 09. Whether he would have been kept on, I don't know how it would have worked in terms of a review with the clubs or the county board, but I think he should have given it another year. I think he could have, yeah. Um, I think he, he definitely, I don't think anyone would have had a problem with him uh, staying on another year. He probably would have had to change a number of things with regard to obviously his backroom team. Um, but apart from that, you know, look, Coyler, Coyler. And and you know from from the time I spent with him, obviously you know in 07 and 08, he's an emotive type of person. He 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 he's a guy who is a deep thinker. I think away from the game, um, once he crosses the white line, he's all in. He's all committed. We all know that from from his playing days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think probably to hear the abuse that he got that would have been completely alien to him. Um, he would have would have been used to getting plenty of abuse from opposition fans, but from his own fans, uh, that would have been... And I'd say that probably hurt him. Um, and I'd say, you know, he, he, he reacted to it. Um, and his reaction, albeit he did give himself, you know, three and a half hours on a bus journey, which was an absolute nightmare, if I remember correctly, uh, all the way back. You know, he gave himself time to think about it. But I suppose even at that, he probably said, listen, you know, I've, I've enough going on two years like I mean it, it, it's it's a, it's a commitment you know and it's a savage commitment a, a year is a savage commitment two years is even worse like three years is is you know you really have to be going places and I'd say he probably questioned himself in the fact of you know have I reached my peak with this this team um, you know and is it a time just to kind of hand it over I've done what I've done I've probably overachieved and yet and then underachieved uh, so can I really go one step further in, in 09 and he, he obviously felt that he couldn't and uh, you know he, he, he backed away 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Just, just lastly then, um, I'll come to you in a second, Keen. but Anthony, we're at the end of this uh, little three-part look back on, as I mentioned, it's not, it's not your traditional maybe uh, look back when you're remembering all Ireland wins or, or, or that kind of thing, but like such a turbulent period, and you mentioned the, the Colin Keyes piece, and I, I was the same, Colin was the same, we had forgotten most of that stuff that had gone on after Eamon Barry got the job. So you had Sean leaving, Eamon coming in, Eamon going, Colin Coyle coming in, a really good year in 07, wheels coming off in 08. When you look back on, on that period, you know, do you think if you, if you had your time over again and if you had like the power to, to make changes at management level or whatever, was, did that feel like an opportunity lost for that group of players? Because when you look back at, at the players that were there and you look at that Wexford game or you look at the Dublin games, like phenomenal talent, that me had at the time. Maybe maybe we didn't realise it at that time because you're looking back on a team with Ollie Murphy and Graham Garrity and Colin Rourke, Brian Stafford, whoever. But there was an awful lot of talent in that team and maybe with a little bit more, I don't know if you want to call it stability, whatever, they could have achieved something special. Is it? Is it? Did you think it was an opportunity missed or did you think that that team kind of, by and large, achieved what it, what it could? No, I think it was an opportunity missed on a number of levels. Um, you know, when I think back to Coyler, and I probably I probably forgot to say this earlier on. Coyler was one of the first guys to come in from the era that he played who said, listen, forget about all those other lads who I played with. Uh, stop worrying about being compared to them. Because we were. We were constantly being, ah, oh, you're never as good as these as you're fucking useless, you're this, you're that. And, and, and like, I mean, that gets in. I was removed from an awful lot of that because obviously I was working in Dublin. So, but speaking to the lads who were living around Navin and working in Navin, like, I mean, the, the abuse that the team got from kind of 02, 03, 04, 05 was that we were all useless. We were this, we were that. We'd never live up to anyone. So lads were kind of coming in with that idea and I suppose this forbearing thing of the teams of the previous years um, and there was a level of expectation but there was also a level of nearly uh, I won't say that people nearly wanted to kind of rub your nose and say ah see you proved this right you are useless but like I mean there was there was it, it, it took a while I think for the tide to turn and I remember the tide turned the day after the Tyrone game for me um, I remember supporters coming up who were 
there's always going to be genuine supporters, right? And they, they've, they've been with us all the way through and they'd stay with you whether you're winning or losing. But I think the, 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 the dry day supporters, shall we say, I remember, like, I mean, there was a, there was a certain tide, a, a, a change in, in the regard towards that team that actually, oh, actually, hold on, this, this team are actually decent. Um, and I know some people might say, I would say this, but genuinely when I think back to that whole squad, um, you know, I think it was a, a supremely talented team. I think we had areas that we definitely could have improved on. Um, I think if you look back, Wardy mentioned it earlier on, there was 78, I think there was 84,000 in the, in, in the semi-final or in the replay, the draw match in 07 against Dublin. Like, Players who play for Mead now would give their right arm to play in front of a crowd like that. Um, I would give my right arm to go to a Mead match within that crowd. Uh, like it's, it's just, it's just, it's just forgotten about. Um, and you know the level of interest, the level of competition against Dublin and the other teams. Like I mean, we were beaten by Dublin a number of times. Obviously, we got our revenge in 2010, but there was games there that we left behind us. Um, and I think, sadly for me there was an opportunity to see that actually this just wasn't a bunch of fellas who couldn't live up to expectations. This was a bunch of fellas that could be stuck together and could really help to try to drive on the next level of me teams. Um, and, you know, I know I've, I've spoke to you, David, about this before, and it's, it's a bugbear of mine, but the last year's post that from bringing six, 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, minor teams, you know, all the way through was just, but that's where the biggest opportunity, I think, w- w- was lost. And, mm. and this semblance and this idea that, Asher, look, Dublin or Dublin, Asher, you know, they're out there and you, you, we, we'll never get to them. You know, this, it, it started to kind of come then after that um, and it all compounded. And, and, and sadly, we are where we are. Um, and hopefully over the next five to 10 years, we can put a plan in place to get back to that top table. Absolutely, um, was definitely second that. And Keen, finally for you, then again, you were like you were around the panel. You were only coming through at that stage. You, you, you were a few years younger than Anthony, so you were around the panel for a good few years after that. But you know, when you look at the panels you were on and the players you played with, does that kind of period in kind of oh five, oh six, oh seven, oh eight stick out for you as one where th- there was a, a group of players really talented, all at the right age, and you know you had a mix of experience. You know, you had Darren Fay there and. In 07, Graham was still there, Anthony was there. So there was a mix of experience, younger lads coming through. Is that kind of those four or four or five years for you? Do they stick out any, any differently than any of the kind of latter years you played in in terms of the talent in the squad? Yeah, well, I, I would have, I've probably said it to you a few times. I think from 2007 to 2010, that was luck. That was, I think, the, the squads Mead had and the depth of talent across that kind of four year period was. Hasn't hasn't been touched since. Being realistic about it, and it probably was far superior to what came in the previous few years before that because you had you had extremely successful players who had probably worn themselves out, and there was a transition period which possibly was slightly slow in Sean's latter years. But again, totally understandable from a manager's perspective. Um, when he has success, it's it's very hard to change. Um. And then, unfortunately, as you say, we would have had the, you know, the, the I suppose, the, the know-how of in 2007 and eight. You know, you had, you still had Darren. You had, um, you know, Graham was still playing and was it was a huge player for us. 
you know, and then you had players who had been around for a few years prior to that and maybe were then starting to step into that leadership role like Anthony, Niall McCaig. I mean, Stephen Bray was effectively a new player for me in 2007 as well and went on to become a huge leader for the team. Nigel Crawford was still there. Like, mm. Seamus Kenny as well. So, like, there were guys that were coming into their prime who had been involved and who had been part of, I suppose, successful squads or been around with All-Ireland winners. And I suppose that sort of transition then over time where guys are bringing some sort of, how to describe it, some sort of collective or, or sort of uh, knowledge with them over the years and that experience. And I think that that definitely helped to bring a number of players through from 2007 through to 2010. And uh, look, and unfortunately, after after Eamon O'Brien's time, the whole thing just really... Um, fell apart unfortunately and there was huge disruption to the to the squads and the playing personnel and there was huge turnover of, of the playing personnel and it, it look it didn't help things, there's no doubt about that because there you do need to retain some level of knowledge. You can see it with the, with Dublin today. I mean they have a number of guys, very, very experienced players who who stayed in their part and crucial part of the squad and they supplement that with energy and, and vibrancy and youth. Um, but there is a balance to be struck and yeah, look, I think the depth of talent, if you if you went back through those squads and you named those players and you looked at them, I mean, I'm still playing club football, um, you know, 10 and 12 years afterwards. And anytime I would see any of the guys that I was involved with, they're still, you know, they're still leading lights almost for the club or they were for a decade afterwards. I might have outdated a few of them at this stage, but there's, you know, five and six years after they were gone off a mid senior panel, they were still standout club players and there was players on the county panel weren't fit to touch them. So to me, that was always what I would have looked at and I suppose that's why when, when you played club football against a guy, you know, you really got to see what lads were really about and like I can remember, you know, I'm not just saying because he's on the call, but you play against Blackhawk Gales and Moinsey was just standing out and that's the sort of performance levels then that he brought through two training and two games and that's where you kind of judged at that competitive level of football. You saw it when you were in-house playing training games and when you were playing competitive matches with me. But when you then were on the opposite side of it, when you were an opponent of these guys playing against them in club football, you could really see who were the guys who were who were up to it and who were the guys who were maybe just weren't going to cut the mustard. Um, and I think through that period, there was, there was definitely... Um, a real depth of talent and a real balance to the squad between youth and experience and I think anyone who's involved in those years would probably look back and say that it's um, it's it's disappointing on a personal level we'd all you know you look back with the, the with hindsight and you think oh there's so many things you would potentially have liked to have done differently yourself um, to try and bring your own personal game to a different level or have made slight improvements that would have helped the team at that particular time where you look back on games and you think, oh, why didn't I do this? Or why did I do this? And that's just the way it goes. That's for um, But it certainly, um, with a little tinge of regret, we had, um, like I said, the 2007 summer was fantastic. Um, it was a brilliant experience to be part of that and a great, um, great squad and a great bunch of people in terms of people working for the collective and had each other's back. It was, it was a great experience. And uh, it's just a pity how it, how it ended up both for players and for management in that time period.
have a Keen Ward and Anthony Moyles bringing down the curtain on this series after the Gold Rush, which I hope everybody has enjoyed. And interesting stuff from the lads there. I know I said it during the piece that I can't remember a more contrasting couple of seasons under the one manager. I suppose you could point back to, and I started to think about it a little bit after that, you could point back to, to 1995. Meath losing a, a Leinster final by 10 points come back the following year to win in All-Ireland you could also point to 1999-2000 and you know lo- winning in All-Ireland in 99 losing to Offaly in the first round the following year and of course that was before the, the back door came in the year before the back door came in so it was straight knockout at that point and Meath were gone uh, in spite of being All-Ireland champions but I don't know something very uh, final about that 08 season I mean Meath have been building so well and had had a really good year in 07 as we talked about running through the qualifiers for the first time really as Anthony mentioned getting to grips with the qualifiers having a good run really good spirit in the camp as Keane mentioned beating Galway beating Tyrone you know really meaningful wins over good championship teams for the first time in a long number of years I mean you probably have to go back to 2001 since me that had a really kind of meaningful win in the championship when you look at the teams that they were, were getting beaten by so that 2007 season really felt like things were on an upward curve and indeed they were all the way up to half time or maybe 20 minutes to go in that Wexford game when they led by 10 points as we said and then just the wheels came off in spectacular fashion and then they just couldn't get it going uh, until uh, they couldn't get going again rather for the Limerick game and as I said the seven week gap that they had probably didn't do them any favours the lads talked about the hard training that was done in between uh, so I still think that that 2007-2008 contrast was, was marked and I can't maybe think of too many more it really just felt like something was building and as I said half time in that Wexford game I remember thinking to myself they're, they're flying here you know they're really looking good and could, could have a real good crack at Leinster and go deep into the championship didn't happen and we all know what happened uh, against Limerick and it was a long drive up for everybody from there one other thing that struck me listening to Anthony describing the, the Limerick game and that day as a whole was the fact that you know he said himself they were a little bit late getting down it was all a bit of a rush and um, similarities to the Cavan game in 05 that, that we talked about in episode 1 when you know they were delayed they were held up on the bus they were late getting into the ground everything was a bit rushed everybody was a bit frazzled so maybe something in that in those two matches where the preparation didn't really go to plan in terms of getting to the ground in time and giving yourself enough time to get ready so uh, maybe maybe there's something in that as well it was just a little kind of coincidence that struck me as Anthony was talking about it, the similarities between those two games and in the fact that in both of them the team didn't really perform as they would have wanted but just uh, something that crossed my mind as we were discussing it. So uh, that's about it from this series. I really hope you've enjoyed it. We've had lots of positive feedback, even though, as I said at the very beginning of the series, it's not a particularly successful time for me football, but really interesting to look back. And I really do thank Keen Ward, Anthony Moyles, Brian Farrell, Kevin Riley, and Colin Keyes for contributing to the series as well. And I know a lot of people out there have enjoyed listening to it. Uh, like I said, it's not like anyone has a whole lot else to be doing at this moment in time. That was a particularly long episode, but it's not like any of us are off to the pub or anything like that. So uh, I hope you all enjoyed it. And uh, if you have any suggestions, for anything else you'd like to hear discussed do let us know and we'll see what we can do about that but for now from myself David Sheehan thanks very much for listening really appreciate all the positive comments and feedback and we'll speak to you again very soon mind yourselves stay safe and let's hope please God we get some new live GA action coming up in the next few months take care